0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
2: This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk
1: Welcome to The Game Podcast, the podcast that plays the full 90 minutes, or... Probably more like 40 minutes. Today I'm joined by Alison Rudd, Patty Barkley, and from a secret, undisclosed location in West London in the wonderful place we call Barnes, it's Matt Dickinson. Later on we'll be discussing footballers and their entourages, but first... We're going to start with an apology. Yes. Last week uh, in the quick hit section, we did mention the fact that Frank Lampard scored a hat trick and we ridiculed the game podcast panelist who had said Lampard was rubbish. But our evil producer, Chris Skinner, who happens to be a Spurs fan, cut that part out of the podcast. So Frank Lampard didn't get his due and uh, thereby fueling reports that there is an anti-Lampard conspiracy going on. Frank we apologize. I had you in the script. Thank you. Now, that out of the way, uh, let's talk some England. And um, there's one place to start, I think. It's, it's a 2-2 draw. It's good. England qualify undefeated. Capello still can't speak English. Let's all laugh at him, yada, yada, yada. We bit off with Harry. We'll get to all that. But first, we have to start with the fact that England's best player um, will miss certainly the first game, possibly the second game of the actual Euro 2012 competition for that red card which i think most of us would deem was unnecessary. Uh Paddy, I know you got lukewarm feelings about this.
2: Yeah. Uh i i think you you said it, it should be suspe- that he's likely to be suspended for one match or two. Um i think that if he's suspended for one match or two, UEFA will be falling down on their duty, i think. If we look back to the last European Championship, um uh, Andrey Arshavin was banned for the first two matches and this has been used as a sort of yardstick. I took the precaution over the weekend of watching over and over again on YouTube the um, incident for which Arshavin was banned. It was a uh, red card, straight red card against Andorra, also in the final match of qualification. What happened was that Arshavin was fouled quite in uh, quite uh, nastily by uh, an andorra defender uh, as he tried to complete a one two uh, he got a bit sick of being grabbed around the face and neck and uh, took a little sly kick at the guy who collapsed like a sack of spuds. Uh, That's completely, uh, it was a very minor offence compared, I mean obviously it wasn't good, you shouldn't retaliate and if Rooney had done that we'd still have a go at him. But Rooney's offence was far far worse. He uh, was not fouled Um, he reacted simply to the fact that a player was using his body to uh, shield the ball while it was within playing distance, which is perfectly legitimate footballing tactic for which at which Rooney's very good himself. Um, and it, but in, because of this, he uh, Rooney got frustrated, lashed out, um, in, 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 you know, in a really violent way at the guy's ankles. Um, so I would say that this, that that it should be a minimum of three matches if UEFA are to be consistent. I would have thought
1: the Arshavin precedent was based on the fact that any suspension for infractions committed against a country like Andorra are automatically doubled to punish stupidity. But uh, I I, I think you do have a valid argument there if you go on precedent. Uh, Dicko, are you prepared to throw the book at Rooney?
3: Uh, well, I mean, put it this way: if it was in um, if if it was in a domestic game, it would be three matches, you know, without any question for violent conduct. I mean, uh, UEFA have got. I mean, I think I think the 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 tariffs that we've seen before su- suggest two, but equally, uh, I think I'm pretty sure Ribery got three matches from UEFA. Remember for a, a sort of over the top tackle that was you know, not a, not you know a different type of offence from Rooney's, but you know they have they have thrown three three match um, games of people in club football I just think in international football generally the say the precedents we've looked at points to two um, but I agree with Paddy in the sense of if if, if, if he got three games you, could, you couldn't be up in arms about it I mean there's a bloke stood there and he booted him in the and um, with the ball about ten feet away so I mean we, we could have no violins out
1: Alison I'm assuming you were never sent off in your playing career
0: <laughs> I don't think so no. um, I, I, I don't know maybe this isn't relevant at all but what i thought was particularly interesting was that rooney had a little girly tap at the ankles of the player first and i got the impression he thought oh my goodness people are going to think i'm a big girl's blouse i have to i have an image i can't just look like i'm a bit a bit annoyed and i've been outwitted i've got to go for it it was one of the most peculiar red card offences I think I've seen but I wouldn't I don't think I, I don't think I'd bring retaliation a retaliatory offence like our Shavin's into it because I think I think uh, FIFA and football authorities generally they're really scared of retaliatory actions by footballers um and in a way ah, that so makes it makes it, first, it makes it
2: worse makes it
0: worse they're just yeah. they very scared of players acting because they're angry it's like um, well,
2: the, the let us
0: police the games please do not try per- and the, take out your own retribution the perfect
2: example was um, in the way the, the punishment the, this was not UEFA but this was the Spanish f- Football Federation um, who uh, in the Mourinho the case of Mourinho against uh, Villanova they, they, they actually gave Villanova a, a one-man Match ban and and Mourinho a two match ban where Mourinho stuck his finger in the guy's eye and the guy sort of reacts by sort of shoving him on the shoulder in retaliation. But the, now, the ha-
1: best part about that, Paddy, of course, is you know that ban only applies in the Spanish, in the Spanish super cup.
2: Super cup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: It's funny. I mean, the, uh, we flew back on the same plane as uh, Wolfgang Stark and, and his team, and he, uh, he spoke to uh, some of the chaps at the airport and said was. I and mean, I think they were quite surprised. He was sort of went out of his way to say, look, you know, respect to Rooney. For for the way he, you know, he handled shown um, in the red card, and, and and the way he walked off the pitch. So, the good thing is that uh, you know we may have a very loose cannon, but at least he's a, he's a polite loose cannon. That's, that's yeah. That's I think good news. I think
2: it's also just just very briefly, um, Arshavin walked off the pitch without protest as well. So there is there is the, just no argument for anything less than three in this case. The the, the, the broader issue now, I
1: think, for for England um, is. What do you do between now and when the Euros come around? Because the, 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 there's two schools of thought. I mean, Rooney is an integral part of the England team, has been, should be, I think. I think you'd be a lunatic not to argue that. Correct. But do you start trying other solutions, other players in the friendlies, and just not call him since there's no real point, mm-hmm. since he won't be playing until until game two or three, well, especially have, if he gets a longer I ban? I have
0: no idea why Capello felt the need to, to tell people that He's thinking of not um, involving Rooney in any of the friendlies. Um, it's this idea that you have to say something big and meaningful after a a major incident that's right is the idea maybe that
1: has happened on Sky after the match and I wasn't there he gets asked the same question violently and aggressively 30 different ways Mm -hmm. and because his English is what it is ultimately you know if he says I don't know he's being indecisive if he says then he's being horrible Mm
3: -hmm. it it wasn't wasn't beaten out of him um, that's for sure I I, I mean I agree with Everton's point I don't see I think he I, I think he went further than he needed to. I mean it was the fourth interview he'd done um that evening. Um and um I mean sometimes he says things that um uh surprise his, uh, his 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 assistants uh, and others um, and, uh, and aren't always consistent um, so I mean I agree with Alison. He, he's gone further than he needs to that said um, and, and there is a logic there would be more logic to hit Rooney playing maybe in the next couple of games and then being left out of the couple of Sundays for the championships but um, that said um, without Contradicting myself, hopefully, I wouldn't play him against Spain because I think, in some ways, um, you, you, you need to, um, to to a tell him. You screwed up, and um, this, is, this is this is life without you now. B. You need to start empowering other players to to think like right, we are not dependent on Rooney. And C. The last time he played against Spain he was in the Bernabeu Stadium. He was sent
2: where off by his own manager.
3: He was hauled off exactly, um, in a in a fit, threw in a black arm on the floor because um, he'd lost the plot. And generally, the pattern when we play against Spain is that they get the ball, and then the game finishes um, <laughs> 90 minutes later. And uh, you know the last thing we need is Rooney stood on the halfway line seething again as, um, as as Spain take the mickey out of
2: us at Wembley I completely agree with that I think that if Capello is sensible he will uh, continue to play Rooney uh, th- but only in training I think that uh, to, 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 well, to, play, can, to can I jump in there because
1: that, that's an interesting scenario you brought up because it, in fact that's what I would do I would mm-hmm. I, because if you just don't play him at all then you know the only pe- people are happy about it is Sir Alex Ferguson mm-hmm. um
2: so you still make him come yeah. to England training, the but you just don't play him. The only people who would gain from playing him in the actual matches would be the England's prospective opponents. I mean, there is uh, the, there is absolutely nothing to be gained from that. Um, also, what the, the mistake we always make—it happens every two years—we imagine that there's a huge, long, yawning gap of time before qualification in which uh, experiments may be made at leisure. There is no leisure now; we're c- the clock is ticking very, very fast. And those matches come thick. Uh, you know, it, it sounds sounds great. Five friendlies before. The problem is, with in England players' injury record, your plans are always disrupted. They must use all of these matches to work on plan B. And that, that can't be stressed enough. Time is shorter than we think.
1: Well, looking at plan B, looking at, at some of these other players, uh, uh, Darren Bent started and, and scored. Um, I think, you know, he... he, he he's not the perfect striker and he's got back to goal issues and so on he likes to be up front in his own but Dico given that England don't play four four two anyway and they've always got somebody behind um, could Darren Bent be the answer do, do we sometimes overlook him a little bit because say, he plays for Villa not if, for
3: if the, if the question was going to be Bent my answer was going to be no <laughs> um, no look it's, it's, I don't want to be too disparaging The a guy who's scored plenty of goals in the premiership and um, you know so he's no, he's no you know, he's no dunce but I have to say, I just have this vision of a crucial game, a crucial chance. Darren Bent standing there, and the whole world freezing as he prepares to shank it um, or sky it. Um, I mean, he's done that. He's done that at Wembley. I think was, was it was at the Switzerland game at home. Um, but I, I just don't trust him in a critical moment in a critical game I'm
1: afraid um, I'm sure George Calkin disagrees with you but well
3: I'm going to uh, say I, I feel I feel the wrath of Calkin um, descending descending on my ball on this already. show
1: though if you dish somebody you got to give an alternative so well, exactly who's your that. choice my, my,
3: Well, my 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 longing would be that um, Welbeck plays enough games. I mean, you know, he's played all of about twenty three minutes, I think, for of international football. So, you know, I am you know, I'm fully prepared to accept that I am punting here. But I just hope Welbeck plays enough for Man United. I mean, Welbeck's already surprised me. He's done already. You know, he looks a better player this season already than I thought he was capable of. And I just pray uh, pray that he can sustain and that he gets enough games at Man United to sustain, because I. I think potentially he's a, he's
2: an infinitely better foot, um, player than. I think than also Dan ben. The, there's also the I mean people will talk about Sturridge, but Welbeck's uh, a class above Sturridge. The other thing about Welbeck is that he's developing. He's younger than Sturridge, I think, but he's also he's developing much faster. He's obviously more intelligent uh, footballer uh, football wise than Sturridge, and I think Welbeck's a real real prospect.
1: By the way, I'm, I am respectfully count myself out of those people who believe that you have to play a five-man midfield. Yeah. Um, I I, c- I, think that, I completely disagree. I, I think it's the most down to important
2: the, thing is to play two lines of midfield. I don't think it really matters whether it's five or four, but I mean, 4-2-1, uh, uh, I beg your pardon, I, I wonder if in this interregnum, before Rooney becomes available again, that England might be better switching from 4-2-3-1 uh, from to 4-3-1, two, uh, because uh, and, and the reason I say that is that I think that Wilshire could be a genuine number ten. Where would Ashley Young go? Ashley Young He'd would Go to the bench in your would, world? No, he would be one of the two. And, Ashley uh, Young at the front, is. yeah. I think he could play there. And I think that I mean, I, that, the, it's, I'm glad you brought up Ashley Young, because amid all the doom and gloom, what we... Um, perhaps understandably overlooked, was that Ashley Young had put in yet another genuine international performance. It's becoming consistent. And now. he showed a lot of personality. Match, match, he showed personality. Match in, match out, he's looking a real international player and a, and a threat to everybody with that with that pace. He'll win free kicks. Unfortunately, we don't have Beckham now to whack him in, but uh, we don't even have Rooney. Uh, but uh, he, he's going to win free kick after free kick if England wants them, Uh, so I mean I I just think he's, I just think that's such a plus Um, and and, and has to be balanced against the loss of Rooney I, I think this is a good time to lose Rooney to be quite honest, the qualifying matches let's be honest, if England hadn't got out of the qualifying group, everyone would be you know, calling posthumously for Capello's head. Anyway, we expect England to get out of the group. We expect them to be beaten soon afterwards. But let's be honest: that group's not going to be difficult. If, even if Rooney gets a three-match ban, it'll no, be from but, but,
3: but, but, no way. You, could, you look at the pots. We could we could have a group that is England, Spain, Portugal, and France. We yeah, could, you could you
1: know, just as easily have
3: you Ukraine, Poland, Greece. But all I'm saying is that that there will be stronger groups right. in the Euros than but, there ever will be. If in the world, in the cup. world
1: but, cup, but bizarrely though, it's it's funny because with the way the pots work out, England are better off being a two seed than um the, the, than being a one seed. I think because the, the the teams in the two seed there is more strength and depth. I mean, the only one seed that that really scares me, frankly, well, is a
0: myth, isn't there? That England would be better off in a group with smaller nations in it. England do particularly badly against those nations that lift mm. their game yes, and have marvelous. Especially, you do very well spirit. against
2: Spain in yes. European Championships. Okay. England do um, particularly badly against everybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, <laughs>
1: One more thing on the plays. I, I thought Gary Cahill had a um, had a poor game. I um, I thought he had a very poor game, uh, and, and it's interesting to see some of the ratings afterwards because they seem slightly divergent on on Cahill. Um, I know Rio Ferdinand is in and out. He's got his issues right now, but uh, Dicko is the sense that you know the, the 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 role of John Terry partner is still very much open at the heart of the England defence, and and did Kale really help himself?
3: Uh, I, I agree with you. I didn't didn't think Kale had a particularly um, clever clever game, for um, then say second half. I'm not I'm not sure who did, but that, I think that position is up for grabs. I think Rio. I think they they pretty much prepared to um sort of right off Rio and be pleasantly surprised if he's even in consideration um next summer. I mean taking the captaincy off him um sort of underscored that some, some months ago. I think uh Capello Sykes, you know, we we know that he judges his players very uh, as much on psychology when it comes to England now, because he is, has been sort of alarmed at, at what he regards as fragility of their little minds, and that's why he was full of praise for Jones, um, who I actually thought was. Yeah, I mean, Walcott didn't give, give him as much help as he should have done, but was sort of isolated and slipping on his backside and uh, and struggling out wide against tricky wingers. But you know, Capello was impressed that he kept at it. Um, you know, he worked hard to play a better game, um, and he likes he likes what he sees of Jones—not just a footballer, but Jones the character. And so, I think you know, he is very hopeful that Jones will play a lot of games at centre half and can become Terry's uh, Terry's partner you know we've got a few options I actually think Jagiel is a good footballer a half decent centre half and not top quality international standard Cahill can be okay but they hope that Jones will come through uh, and, and and you know, I think Jones proves um, the other day that, you know, as
2: a right back, he will be a top quality centre-half. Uh, also, you, uh, you know, there's Chris Smalling. So, I mean, uh, the cupboards uh, not going to be bare. You know, there's um, there's plenty of promise. I mean, this is the thing now. We can discuss England. We had an argument about strikers. We were talking about... We, 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 we named three uh, hold-the-ball-up strikers. We named three predatory strikers earlier. We had a, a really good argument. Uh, and that's terrific yeah, for is all people. these center
1: halves who we're mentioning are good. I would argue all these strikers who we're mentioning, with a possible exception of Carroll, who may come good. Mm. I don't know that any of these people are that, that we mentioned are...
2: Are that yeah, but, good? But they're, at they're that all level. interesting. They're all interesting. It's, all interesting. Like, yeah, like it's Phil, fun to talk Phil, about Phil Kraus Jones. You know, Phil Jones, who a year ago was a squad player at Blackburn, is now, uh, you know, um, being talked about as, as 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 Terry's successor. And that that's sensible. That that's good because it reflects the improvement and the exceptional talent of the lad. But. Uh, you know that's, I mean, that, that's what's so good about it. We're, we're, we, we, we've got they've got four choices at right back. Okay, only two are, could be sensible, but uh, there's there's more choice. I cannot remember a time when there was there was more reason for promise for or uh, excitement about the English national set
1: up. will be thanking Mr. Capello for that because it's exclusively down to him and nobody else. <laughs>
2: I want to. Uh, that that
1: was that was in jest, by the way. Um, I, w- I wanted to 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 just close with something. I mean, we all write about football. We all like either sports. I I played rugby uh, to to for for a long time. But one thing that gets to me is the rugby snobs dumping all over football, Mm -hmm. and you get it about the footballers are bores or pay too much money. If they, you know, if if they smoke a joint, they should be banned for life, forever. You get that that, that guy who uh, that Samoan guy who um, questioned whether the referee and, and the tournament was somehow prejudiced. You know, he could be getting a lifetime ban. I mean. To me, it's it's demented the way this sport is run uh, and and the fact that you can get, you know, you can be prevented from doing your profession um, because somebody doesn't like something you said on Twitter. Uh, I find all of this stuff completely absurd. But I also want to knock these people down a few pegs about the sanctimony, and I'm just going to go through a little bit about what happened to England at the at the World Cup off the pitch. Yes, from from the boozing in the bar in very, very public conditions with CCTV, which I don't remember uh, the England team doing, I do remember Teddy sharing him in the dentist yes. chair, but that was a few years ago, and I believe that was before camp. Um, to, uh, uh, of course, most recently, uh, Manu Talagi jumping off a ferry and being, and being arrested. To, of course, this business with Johnny Wilkinson's balls. And no, I'm not referring to... Um, yeah. The stuff in his sack i 'm talking about uh, the, his uh, I'm talking about the business with match his ball. coach and changing the match balls which is which is cheating basically that 's what it is and and because England comes clean and, and suspends the coaches but now Wilkinson who's the guy who actually does the the, uh, the kicking he just suspends the people who sit on the bench and do nothing um, then that 's okay then you don 't need to take further action against them i I just question the sanctimony of these people come down uh, and, and, and have a go with football. Football has lots of problems, but, you know, I don't think we're talking about people who are whiter than white here criticizing football. Um,
2: well, they, don't, they don't have... A-
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
2: VoiceOver on settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
2: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11
0: and get on with your day accessibility there's more to iPhone
2: in football they don't have cheating over the ball they don't instruct people as they do in rugby to cut their own have their mouths cut with a scalpel (laughs) for goodness sake do you remember that yes I mean it's the most filthy game imaginable um the only thing that I would say in defense of rugby um, is and I do wish that football could get the respect for referees and 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 the uh, um, uh, referees who are explicit as rugby referees are I really do wish we would learn from that I don't think we've anything else to learn from them
0: the, but the, oh, they are so, I know the team games pl- played with the ball they are culturally they are so so different that rugby is so disciplined and there is that respect on the pitch because what happens off it is is actually mind-boggling you have to to prove that you're a, a part of the team at whatever level in rugby the things you have to do to prove you're a real bloke if any any one of those things came out in football, they would be front page, middle page, can back I, page story.
3: You lo- can I give you a really lovely example of that from from um, a very good book written by Matt Hampson and Paul Kimmage, um, which, uh, in which they talk about playing uh, playing for Leicester and there was a, um, a Nigerian back. Oh, you're not going to
0: yeah. read? I was going to read that out, and I thought I couldn't. Mm. It's, it's so disgusting. He's
3: a, he's a, he's a particularly well built player um, in in every department, but he uh, yes, they used to get a if Someone had to have to lie underneath him, uh, someone would pour a pint of beer down his back, which would run down the small of his back through the crack of his bottom, um, off the end of his, whatever I'm allowed to use on the podcast, um, word for appendage, and into the mouth of one of his teammates. And uh, and Matt Hampson writes about this saying, sort of, great times, you know, happy memories. Um, You are not allowed
0: not to do that. You're not a member of the team unless you can do that.
1: I mean, I... I didn't play for Leicester, but...
3: Uh, did you did you, did you indulge in the back
1: second crack um, drinking game? well actually the 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 front part was not involved um, but I was in a slightly more heterosexual country than this one when I was playing um I, you know we, we did something that was called an, an anal boot uh, which it did involve the beer coming down the back uh, over the uh, uh, the crack and into a uh, a rugby boot and then you were then to drink uh, said beer out of the boot that was that was pretty good
2: pretty standard, mm, yeah. I think. Yeah, well, I was brought up in Scotland where drinking was not a matter for frivolity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just sawdust on the floor in the pub, right? <laughs> exactly. We didn't want to spill a drop.
1: Okay, apologies for this rugby detour, but... Uh, oh, it is I was just
0: it, getting into it.
1: I know you wanted oh, to boy. read more extracts yeah, from Kimmage's extra. book, but uh, <laughs> um, we do have to move on. But again, apologies for it. It is International Week, so there is no football. Um, so we, we have to get a little bit creative. And of course, if you do like uh, to listen to people talking about rugby, The Times do have their own World Cup podcast. The uh, excellent, albeit Spurs fan and Frank Lampard hating, Chris Skinner uh, produces that as well. And I appreciate those of you who are of an English bent may not want to hear any more about the World Cup after England's humiliation against France, but uh, it is quite a good podcast. In right, our debate this week, um, we're going to look at uh, uh, the issue of footballers, their family members, their entourages. I mean, no hiding the fact. This was prompted by the news on uh, um, late last week that uh, uh, Wayne Rooney's dad, Wayne Sr., and uh, uh, Rooney's uh, uncle, who <laughs> I'm sorry, but he sounds like a Soprano's character, doesn't he, Uncle Richie? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure when he talks, he doesn't. He's got a completely different accent than the one I just put on. But um, they were arrested. They're, they're, they're accused of uh, being involved in a case of what I guess we would call spot fixing. Um, but rather than the specifics of this case, I mean, they, they were they were released, I think, without charge at this stage, um, and this is pending an in, in investigation. What I find remarkable is that. I would imagine I don't have any family members who are, you know, who are worth tens of millions of pounds. Um, but if I did, I probably would, to some degree, mooch off them and make sure that I was taken care of and wouldn't have any material wants in the world.
0: You're joking, are
1: you? No. Please, Dalison, elucidate.
0: I find that an absolutely awful quality that just because someone you're related to has earned money that you feel you should have some. If I don't, I don't, I don't even want to take a loan off my dad. I mean, it's you, you are who you are, and you earn your own way in life. And, and the worst thing you can be is somebody who has no. It isn't earning their own crust that they feel because someone they're related to has money that, that that's in some way reflects upon you and you should benefit from it That mm. that's not how society grows and people become real people mm. you no
1: know, i i let me that is a good point let me rephrase that i would imagine though that i mean and again i come from a different culture uh, where i'm not anglo-saxon um if somebody's a family member, you take care of them to a certain level of degree. We we have this sense that just because you may have a lot more money because you're more successful, if somebody's your blood relative, you make sure that they're not wanting for anything, be it yeah. uh, flip flops or, or or pet food, as yeah. to cite another well known example. Um, I, I looked at it. I looked at it m- more more in that sense, yeah. and so I just find it remarkable that somebody. Would go and engage um in something like this, allegedly, or there are other cases there's cases of footballers who's, whose fathers have been uh, um, have gotten into trouble for for dealing coke obviously, there was a shoplifting incident involving the uh mother of um i want to say another um England player, but of course it's the same one um, <laughs> i it's different how does this happen well
0: i I'm th- I think this is really interesting because i I think I'm not surprised if I think it's I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. I think you're more likely to behave badly if, if the kilter is wrong. If one member of a clan or family is exceptionally wealthy or ex- exceptionally famous... it it sort of um, makes everyone else feel like they're nobody and they have to show that they have character and they are still themselves and they're still big enough to rise above whatever notoriety this member of the family has I I think it's rather (laughs) odd to assume that everybody remotely related to one person who's very famous or very rich or represents their country is suddenly going to behave differently and their lives, they're going to queue differently in a queue they're going to get on a bus differently, they're going to buy a ticket in a more polite way just to prove that they're not going to let down this member of the family. They're desperate to say I am me and I will do what I want to do and I'll be as irresponsible or law-breaking as I like. Thank you.
2: Yes. If if I had a a son who was an incredibly rich footballer, I'd want to demonstrate my independence by going out and doing a bit of shoplifting too. But the... um To be serious, there are are two stories on this, and these are both absolutely true stories. One of them is, I think, quite funny. The other one is very unfunny. Uh, The first one is about... um, uh, And you used to know the father of an extremely famous international footballer um, who... Uh, And once I met him before, just before Christmas, and I said, Oh, what's the name of extremely famous international footballer uh, uh, getting you for Christmas? And and he said... "Um, Oh, I always get the same thing. A season ticket, which the player, whose fortune would be estimated would be way, way above 10 million pounds, probably a long way above 10 million pounds, got for free. And that is all he ever got. And you could argue that maybe the player... Who could have afforded to have bought him a house, a car, every a different one every year, uh, was was respecting his dad's independence. The second one is the story of Mark Vivian Fowey, who. We we will all remember. (coughs) Played for, um, played in France and uh, in England for uh, Manchester City certainly. And he was with Manchester City when he died. A very good player. Uh, When he died tragically, playing in the Confederations Cup. Confederations Cup, yeah. In France in ninety in two thousand and where was it? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he it was a it was a terribly. We all remember uh, that incident. Uh but there was a the tragedy was compounded because Mark Vivian Foe had been a sort of cash point for a a wide family, a a, a wide group of family and friends. He had a big house in France. He had a huge house in, you know, the older Liège area, where footballers who play for Manchester clubs live. He'd been earning, I guess, I mean, money wasn't what it was, but he'd been earning two to three million a year for, for a sustained period. And he died not only penniless, but leaving massive bills for rent, Because, I mean, all these houses had been packed with family and friends who'd been living off him, many of them receiving salaries. And his widow and children, uh, FIFA tried to arrange matches, but they were destitute. So the widow of someone who'd been earning all that money for all that time, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I confess I don't know what's happened doing now but, uh, but his, his son
1: sorry on that point his son actually spoke at the at the World Cup mm. in, uh, in, in South Africa mm. um, have FIFA sorted you
2: know, them out and I mean no one else lifted a finger to help them
1: I mean FIFA have tried to put together a, a stipend um, mm. I believe I could be mistaken I believe West Ham also have, have, have contributed something for whom he something. also played yeah um, but it, it, I mean it is I think in, in certain cultures especially footballers who come from certain backgrounds yes. it's not Africans, you know I mean Above all. Samuel Lito has an enormous entourage of people. Some of them his relatives. Some of them people who act as if they were his relatives, um, who, who, who live with him. And I presume all these people have now moved to Moscow now, or maybe they're still hanging out at his big house in Milan. I'm not sure. Um, but which, d-
3: which is which is worse? It's, it's interesting. I mean, I put on the first story, I mean, I know of a. Um, of a prominent England international who um, gets a lot of f- free uh, cars through a, a, a deal and sold one of those free cars to his father-in-law, uh, and, 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 and I remember him telling me telling telling me the story and and sort of couldn't quite understand why my jaw was bouncing off the floor as he uh, as he said, "Well, I, you know, I, sold, I sold it at I sold it at cost price, you know, what's, what's, what's the problem?" Um, now I I d don't know whether to admire admire his um, his his. Financial Financial prudence or um, or actually, I think that was actually swamped by just, um, say, amazement that yeah. um, a guy with millions in the bank would think that uh, the father-in-law should uh, be forced to pay his way, basically.
1: But, uh, Dick, I, I, I want to ask you about this because, I mean, I, I've met, um, I think it, it's an open secret that you're quite familiar with the Neville clan, and I, I, I've met the, the, the dad, um, Neville, Neville, on several Occasions, and he seems like a completely normal, well-adjusted person. I, I cannot imagine him uh, doing any of these things. I know part of it is he was involved in football, and he had his own. I believe he was the secretary at Berry in the day, and yeah. and, and he's you know he has his own interests and so on. Um, but he, what's your take on this dynamic? Because he still has you know three kids who are a lot more successful than he is. Two of them a lot wealthier than he is. Um, you know if.
3: I mean, well, in, well in that instance in that instance they 've got a you know and and it and it speaks well of of the parents and the the kids and the environment they brought up in that um it's a very healthy dynamic, I mean, he was a he was a lorry driver who um, worked um, worked sort of shaped his 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 lorry driving days around helping his kids to play more sport. Um, through through that sort of dynamic, they became the great sportsmen they are. And now, you know, he's had independent jobs, but he's also um, done a lot of work for that. You know, when their sponsorship deal is sorted out, uh, sorry, their menu contracts have been sorted out. There's been three people in the room as David Gill. Uh, Gary Neville and his dad Um, no no agent um Taking a fortune, um, and um, they haven't deemed it necessary. Just get a lawyer to, to look over the contracts and um, make sure ev- everything's pickety boo. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I'm sure he's he's had some nice holidays out of it. He's had some, you know, got to stay in some nice places. Um, and you know, uh, they've looked after him. Uh, and, and the fact he lives in a house that was bought built bought years and years back by Gary. Yeah. So it's been a very good sort of beneficial relationship. But equally, you know, say when when a contract to be signed, they don't get it to um, they don't get fleeced by someone they uh, sort it out as a family but, uh, I, but, but I would say that they're uh they're an uncommonly sensible and uncommonly loyal and uncommonly sort of trustworthy um, and, and tight bunch.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'd all agree the Nevilles are an exemplary sporting family. But the uh, there's the other course, of course, which is uh, the middle course, you might say, which is taken by Sir Alex Ferguson on behalf of his family. He uh, is able to help his family out. Without, at, at absolutely no cost to himself. Uh, for example, uh, it, by employing them at Manchester United there was his son uh, Jason who was uh, who had an agency um, and unfortunately due to a BBC documentary Manchester United had to stop using uh, Jason so that, that was that worked but only temporarily he then Jason Ferguson then became his dad's agent so there was a way of helping out um, your family without any cost to yourself uh, before that of course Darren Ferguson was employed by Manchester United and 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 made his made his start in the career uh, career very creditably he was, by by he was a professional he footballer was a professional who was footballer. good enough to play for Manchester United indeed and to win a a a a championship medal with them before uh, finding his level at a slightly lower level and is now making his way in in management so he's had a, a jolly good career Mainly by his own efforts, but with a little help from his father, I'm sure, quite rightly. So he also his, has a third son. His, who bro- who his brother, his brother, his, Mark, Mark Ferguson, has never needed any help. Extremely talented young man. The well, tell th- us what he does. Alex Ferguson. He's- he works in the city, yeah. and uh, he, he, he and, and has been incredibly and has been very successful in his own right. Uh, Martin Ferguson is Alex's brother. Uh, he was uh, made his way as a player, footballer in Scotland, and as a coach. Unfortunately, he got sacked about 15 years ago, and since then he's worked from his uh, home on the outskirts of Glasgow as Manchester United's globe-trotting scout. Um, and as far as I know, he still has that job. So again, um, there's a, a way of Sir Alex managed to help out his uh, a member of his family without any cost to himself. So there's a there's a template. Late, that um, if, if any of us were as powerful as Sir Alex Ferguson, we could all follow. Okay, how about some quick hits now?
1: Patty? Scotland hold their fate in their hands when it comes to qualifying for Euro 2012. All they need to do uh, to make the playoffs is to better or equal the result of the Czech Republic, who, of course, are away to Lithuania. Uh, Scotland, alas, have to travel to Spain. <laughs> I knew there'd be a snag. And at the weekend, of course, they did only beat Liechtenstein 1-0. Um, what's more what's more likely, uh, that y- your boys will make it to Poland or Ukraine or that you will
2: grow in Afro? Well, I'm very encouraged by that uh, uh, choice. <laughs> I certainly think we've got more chance of getting to Poland, Ukraine. Um, oh, you, you never know. The point is if at various stages of this tournament you'd said that we, you know, our we would still be in with a chance going into the final game at least a chance of earning two more games Um, I would have bitten your hand off and I just think it's terrific and besides uh, as a Scotland supporter myself if we get beaten by Spain that's great it's like being beaten by Brazil in 1982 you don't mind being beaten by artists and uh, you know this is going to be one of those lovely games which you're able to sit back and watch with a cigar uh, six pack and and and. And just wish both sides well but I think Scotland are out. Alison, Fulham uh, are reportedly
1: considering expanding Craven Cottage to a capacity of 30,000 now given that you live closer to the ground than any of us uh, I have to ask is this really a good idea and will they ever get planning permission?
0: Well it's not reportedly it's true they do want to expand it it's a modest increase in seating Um, And in that sense, it's a good idea. What's the point of Fulham looking for a new stadium that can house 60,000? They're not going to fill it. And they are doing it sensibly. They're going to give back to the locals who will obviously, you know, instinctively oppose it. But they're going to give them um, the facilities and there's going to be a new path along the Thames. And I think it all sounds rather lovely.
1: Yes, yeah, very bucolic in that part of West London. Bruce Buck says that Chelsea still plan on breaking even at some point but meanwhile fans are reportedly planning a protest against high ticket prices at the next Champions League home game. Dico, how did Chelsea get out of this bind? Uh, can they realistically break even without sliding back several runs in the pecking order? And if you're particularly interested in the subject I invite you all in addition to listen to the answer that is about to give to read Matthew Syed in the game today. Uh,
3: well, what they need to do is get Peter Kenyon back. He is the genius that they lack um, to uh, make them rich. Uh, I'm joking. Um, I, just one point not uh, sort of answered by Matthew in his piece this morning is: Do they fill 60,000 seats? I think they would do half a dozen times a season. Maybe um, they would get more fans in. But it's interesting. Alison mentioned Fulham getting a bigger stadium. QPR looking at a bigger stadium. Chelsea, 60,000. I live in West London. My mates aren't walking around saying, um, "I want to spend 100 quid for me and." a mate to go
2: and watch football. Who's, who's going to fill these seats?
1: Wealthy people from the
2: Gulf, I guess? Yeah. I, I, it is It is a very pertinent question. As, as a fellow of mine texted the other day, how can you bulldoze seven years of history? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Chelsea was founded in 1905. <laughs> when you see a friend next time, smack him in the face for me,
2: okay? <laughs> now, now, one for you. Um, we all know about qualifying for the European Championships, but the African Cup of Nations qualifiers wrapped up this weekend as well. How did the big boys do? Very, very badly, in fact, Paddy. I'm glad you asked. With the exception of
1: uh, Ivory Coast, who topped their group, uh, and uh, Ghana, who uh, qualified on on the last day, um, of the six teams who went, six African nations who went to the 2010 World Cup. Uh, Four of them actually failed to qualify for the African Cup of Nations. And in fact, uh, Egypt, of course, also failed to qualify for the African Cup of Nations. It was a bit of a shock given that they had won the last three. Uh, It's going to be pretty much a
2: completely new set of uh, uh, characters come January. And in this new world order or this new African continental order, uh, are there any emergent nations that we're going to hear a lot more about in on the world stage in the next 10 years?
1: Well, Senegal uh, aren't exactly an emerging nation, but I think um, they probably are the best placed African team to take on Ivory Coast and Ghana. Uh, of the others, I would look out for um, Burkina Faso, uh, who, it, it, there's some dispute over feeling an eligible player, um, but they certainly look very strong. Um, but there's countries like, uh, like Libya and Sudan, two countries who I think uh, are, are wonderful stories, given the uh, civil war that those nations have been through. <laughs> That's all we've got time for today. But remember, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, the web chats. Patty's is on Mondays. Mine is on Tuesdays. You can also follow us on Twitter. And of course, our live show is coming soon. More information on the website. That's all we've got time for this week. Till next week. Bye-bye.